So today my message is titled Travel Light, and I don't know if you've done much traveling lately, but my, my family and I took a trip to Oklahoma this summer. Uh, we took vacation to Oklahoma, to which most people have said, Oklahoma? What's in Oklahoma? Well, lots of cows, lots of pretty fields. It's country, y'all. And we had a good time. We wanted, we wanted to just go different places, so we decided to go to Oklahoma. It was a great plan. Where we messed up, though, is we traded in our big old Ford Expedition and downsized to two subcompact SUVs, like the small ones. was no foresight on my part. Okay, we decided to go on vacation, family of five giants in a Toyota RAV4. Get you some. You ain't done nothing till you went to Oklahoma in a go-kart. Come on, somebody. My wife, she had to ride in the back because Ethan couldn't fit in the back. So me and Ethan rode in the front the whole trip. I'm not lying. I was, I was riding up there just kicking myself. Why did we get rid of the expedition before we went on vacation? Dumb. Just dumb. But we fit. There was enough seat belts. It was safe. The issue was our luggage. Big people, big clothes. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You try to pack light, but it takes a couple bags. When you're when you my size... Okay. The issue was we didn't have any luggage room and we didn't have a luggage rack to throw it up on the top to really look like some vacationers. We just, we didn't have room for our luggage and so we had so much baggage. My wife and I took a trip recently where we got on a plane and we figured, man, we could skimp out of this thing, really get through the airport nice and fast. So we both packed in carry-ons thinking, man, this is the ticket. We're going to each bring one carry-on for three days, which for my wife was a miracle. You know, I don't know how to get out of this. Uh, Women just have more stuff. I I don't blame you guys for saying amen. I'd be quiet too. Uh, But we we were trying to get on the plane thinking, man, we had some light bags and we were going to get through. And they caught Cheryl's bag and made her check it in. We were like, oh, man. And then they lost their bag, which really stunk. Yeah, it wasn't good because I had all my clothes, but she didn't have any. We're not going to talk about the rest of the story, but that, that wasn't a problem for me. It was a problem for her. And sometimes when we travel, baggage comes with us, right? How many of you, the worst part of traveling is the baggage? You would say that. Baggage is just, man, baggage, if you don't pack right, baggage can slow you down. And ladies, I, I get it. I understand it's hard. I, I, my wife and I have wrestled several times. She packs two days before. I pack 10 minutes before we leave. It's, she's got a lot of stuff. And, and, and all you women are like that, I know. But, yes, come on. Is a sister in the house going to let a brother off the hook? I mean, but baggage is tough. Baggage, baggage can slow you down. If you're trying to get somewhere, baggage can be really disruptive. It can be hard to enjoy things when not only do you got to keep track of each other, but you, now you got to keep track of all this baggage, right? I mean, it's tough. Oh, did we get all of our bags? I, the worst part of flying for me is waiting on the, on the slow little conveyor belt to come around with my bag. I've tried putting certain color ribbons on it to find my bag, and everybody's got a black bag. You ever notice that? And they're all shaped and look alike. And so anyway, it's just tough. It's tough when you got a lot of baggage. Glenn, can I use you for a minute? Would you come see? 
I want to show you what some of you are going into the Christmas holidays like right now. You're, you're having a hard time. There's some, there's some family issues. There's some past hurts and pains that haven't been dealt with. And so Glenn's going to go on, on, on to the holidays, but there's some baggage, okay? They got a little drama between maybe him and his mama or something, and there's maybe his sister didn't do something right. And then, and then you got Jess's side, the family. By the way, they were just married. Okay, you were showing? Okay. It looked like you was doing something else. When I looked up, I saw a finger up, and I was like, bro, is everything all right? Was I the only one who saw that? Yeah. So, so Glenn's going to come into the, he's going to go to the, to the Christmas holidays, but there's some stuff. Okay. He's got, he's got a little drama with his mama. Okay. So he's got that bag. He's got to carry that. Then there's, he's got his feelings hurt last time with his sister. And then, and then Jess's family is getting, uh, he's got a little throck with Jess's family. And then, and then Jess has got some issues too with some of her, her friends and family. So he's trying to go into the holidays and enjoy it. And, but he's got this baggage. It could be relational, it could be emotional, it could be financial baggage. I didn't have enough money to buy good presents like everybody else. Anybody feel that pressure? Come on, you gotta, it's got to be $20 or more. It could be spiritual, but he's got this baggage. And then we say to each other, Merry Christmas. So go enjoy your holidays. Well, yeah, take the bags. The bags go with you. Are you going to enjoy the, the Christmas dinner? How are you going to open the presents with all that baggage? I should have put some bricks in there. They got wheels. They don't fit. You see what I'm saying this morning? You can leave them back there. Sometimes we come into the holidays with too much baggage, and today I just want to help you let go of some baggage. Is that all right? Can we just let go of some stuff? I think the Bible's pretty clear when it comes to things like this. It's pretty clear that if we'll do our part, God will do his part, and he can lighten up the load. How many of you would like to go into this Christmas season with a light load? Maybe, maybe you just, you know, you, you go, you know what? If, if I can't buy everything that my, my cousin who's in the oil field buys, so what? I'm going to bring the best gift I can, Right? And it's going to be from the heart. I'm, I'm going to settle any issue I can before the Christmas dinner. I'm going to get all this under control before we meet up with the rest of the family. Because you know you got people in your family that know how to push your buttons. Baggage tr- complicates things. And it's relational baggage. And it's tough. And here's, here's the truth is until we start... Dealing with some of this, it's not going to get any better. You see, sooner or later, you got to start letting some bags down. You got to start getting rid of some baggage. You got to pack a little lighter. You got to make your life a little lighter. Amen. I, I get it. You've been hurt. I get it. You've been offended. You've been, you've been disappointed. You've lost somebody. I understand that. I, I've lost somebody too, and I've been hurt and offended also. But I think there comes a point in the time where you got to go, okay, I need to start working on this now. You got to get honest with yourself and say, you know what? It's just not getting better on its own. It's not getting better on its own. I'm going to have to do something with this. I think the Bible puts responsibility on us to process the things that we're walking through. But if we choose not to process them, then they stay there. And from experience, they don't get any better. 
They don't get any better. You got to start working on it. It's my responsibility if there's an issue with me and a family member to go and do my part to make it right. Scripture's clear about that. We need to learn to travel light. We need to learn to live light. You know, my greatest challenge lately, I felt the Holy Spirit teaching me is, is, is how, how to manage relationships quickly. How to, how to be on top of things. And, and if there's offenses, if I realize I've hurt somebody or somebody's hurt me, how do I deal with it quickly to not let it become this long, drawn-out process? How many of you get tired of the long, drawn-out drama process? I mean, it's like, come on. I think some of the professional football coaches are very excellent at overcoming adversity. They, they get quick and they get fast and they learn how to make decisions and how to do the hard things and, and, and work at it to make decisions to overcome the adversity in front of them. As believers filled with the spirit of God, we should be able to manage the conflict, manage the relationships, manage the emotions better than we are right now. We should be. If you're growing in Christ and you're maturing spiritually, you should be getting better emotionally. Okay, if you're growing in Christ and you're growing in spiritual maturity, you should be getting better emotionally and not worse. Your emotions are your gauge. Your emotions show you how you're growing spiritually. It takes a big boy or girl to walk past an offense. It's like when Jesus said, if somebody hits, slaps you on the right side, give them the left side. You got to be spiritually mature and emotionally healthy. <laughs> Come on, somebody. To deal with that. But that's on us. <laughs> no, it's on you, preacher. No, it's not on me. Sunday alone is not going to mature you. Sorry, I let you down. I'm not that good. <laughs> really, I'm not. I mean, I got my own struggles and I got my own. I'm trying to grow up myself. If your life's hanging on my preaching, buddy, you in trouble. Thank you for not saying amen. You're kind. <laughs> but I want to show you maybe how to travel light today through the life of Joseph. I want to show you a story in Joseph. There was a lot of family uh, baggage, a lot of family trouble. Um, Joseph was 22 years into this trial. Say that's a long time. It's a long time. He was a young man that God gave him a dream that one day his family would come to him for help. Joseph was young when he got the dream, and, and like any young person who's ambitious and who, who wants some props, <laughs> you get a dream like that from God, you're going to go tell everybody, right? You don't even think if it's offensive or not, you don't even care. He just goes and tells his brothers, basically, you're going to work for me one day. Tells his mom and dad, you work for me now. <laughs> a little bit arrogant, but what happens is, is he offends his brothers even more than they were already offended at him, and they decide to try to kill him, but instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. So he goes into slavery, then he's bought by, the, by, pot, by, um, um, by a, an officer in, 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 in Israel, and he's, he's, he's put over his whole household. He's, he's in charge of the whole household, and so he's, you know, he's doing good, but he's still a slave, right? And then his wife makes a pass at him, <laughs> and he gets falsely accused. 
Then he's throwing them to prison. In prison, he had, finds two guys in there, helps them out, has another dream, right? Then he's forgotten about. And you, you see Joseph, and if you watch his story from, from, a, from far away, you see how, man, look at all the offenses he had. Look at all the things that came against him. Look at the hard time he had. Look at the stuff he went through. And so his, he's away from his family for years. 22 years, in fact, he's away from his family. And there's that old hurt and pain left inside of him. And then, and then he finally gets, in one day, he goes from being a prisoner to second in command of the palace and of the nation. In one day. Don't tell me that God can't elevate you and God can't change your situation in one day. Listen to me, from the prison to the palace, they moved his stuff. He didn't have much stuff, but they moved his stuff from the prison to the palace one day. One day, God can do anything in your life if you'll believe and agree with him. We pick the story up in Genesis 45, verse 1 to 3. Joseph has, he runs into his brothers. His brothers are starving. They come to, to Egypt for help. And, they, and, they, and Joseph is now faced with his brothers. And it says this, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his, but his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Think about this moment. The same brothers that sold him into slavery 22 years later are over there basically begging for food from him. Don't recognize him. He recognizes them. Goes through all of this emotional stuff. Listen to me. If you're going to deal with some relational baggage, some emotional baggage, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. I think that's why most of us don't want to deal with stuff because it gets too messy. You don't want to go through, you don't want to carry the emotional weight it's going to require you to carry to deal with the situation that's in front of you. Joseph in a moment just breaks. Everybody out. <laughs> I'm Joseph. Is my daddy still alive? Now think about all the things he thought about from the time he was sold into slavery until this moment. I guarantee you he had a script written in his mind that he was going to tell his brothers the next time he saw them. Come on, because you'd have a script too, right? I'd have one. You'd have to unroll it and stand on a ladder to read it. Because for 22 years carrying something that long, I got some junk built up in me. And when it comes out, bro, it's going to come out. You ever been there before? But then something inside of you says, you know what? I don't want to deal. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to show my big old story. I don't, I don't want to speak my, my script. I don't, I, that's too much. And Joseph says simply, I'm Joseph, your brother. And then look at what's on his heart. You can, you can see what's on his heart by what comes out of his mouth. 
is my father okay? Is my father okay? It wasn't, you did this, you sorry, you're, you're no good, you chump, you... He didn't point fingers. He said, I'm Joseph, is my dad okay? Somewhere between the, the being thrown into the pit until the palace when he sees his brothers, God did some kind of a work in Joseph's life. Here's the truth. Joseph had to allow God to do that work in his life. <laughs> Come on. You think it's just going to magically happen? You're going to wake up one morning and feel like forgiving everybody? I hadn't woke up that way yet. God does a process inside of us. There's something he does in the heart. And when faced with it again, it comes out properly. Years of questioning, years of pain, years of regret, years of hurt. just pouring out of his soul. I wonder what his brothers were thinking. I had this thought. I wonder what his brothers were thinking because the Bible says they were stunned. Speechless. Okay, let's, let's put ourselves in the brother's shoes for a second. Just sold your brother, your youngest brother, your dad's favorite son into slavery. Went home and lied to your dad about it. And watched your dad grieve for years, basically die inside. For years. 22 years later, you're standing in front of him, begging him for something to eat. And he goes, I'm Joseph. Is my father okay? The Bible says they were stunned and speechless. I wonder what they were thinking. Because this, just is, this isn't just the first time they met. Actually, Joseph ran them through the mill a little bit. He played with them some. He arrested his youngest brother and, and, and falsely accused them. He did some trickery in it. So it's, it's a longer story than this. But I wonder why they didn't. I wonder if they were thinking, well, why didn't he just say that a long time ago? Because I wonder if sometimes when we go to people and we say, would you please forgive me because I forgive you. If you I wonder if when we finally go and we, we settle those relationships that they go, oh, you've been offended? Well, well why'd you wait so long? H- have you ever hurt somebody and didn't know you hurt them? I know I have. I'm like, a, I'm like an army tank. I just run over people's feet and don't even know it. And sometimes people say, man, you offended me back then. I go, really? My heart is not to offend people. My heart is not to hurt people. But sometimes we don't know we did it. Right? And when somebody finally confesses it, you go, well, why'd you wait so long? Come on. What took you so long? That's what I feel God pressing on me right now. Is don't give the enemy any more time than he needs to work in this situation. Settle things quickly. As quickly as you can. Because sometimes you'll try to settle things and people don't want to settle. That's not on you, that's on them. Amen? So I want to give you three biblical choices to make when you've been hurt by others. These choices should help clear up some of the holidays. Number one, you need to choose to pray. 
I think this is probably the most important point, is to choose to pray. you got to make a choice to pray, right? How many of you wake up in the morning and you just, it just flows out of your mouth? Oh, Lord, you're mighty and strong. You're powerful and true. How many of you wake up like that? How many of you got to decide to pray? Come, okay. How many of you aren't praying at all? Okay, thanks for not raising your hand. That would be real embarrassing. The greatest example of all time, unquestionably, is the example of Jesus. Think about this. At his birth, Herod sought to kill him. In his own hometown, they tried to throw him off of a cliff. Out of the 12 men on his team, one betrayed him, 10 forsook him, and only John was at the cross. Think about that. The crowds turned against him and said, free Barabbas, free the murderer, and take this Christ and put him on the cross. I was thinking this morning about him praying in the garden. It was in my reading this morning. I was reading that and I was like, man, what was Jesus really praying for God to take away from him? Was he praying for God to take away the physical pain? Or was he praying for God to take away something that he knew he was going to walk through? Like Jesus's perspective was going to have to be guarded when he went from the garden to the cross. Think about this. All the people that love you, all the people that were shouting your praise, it wasn't too long ago he was in the parade. Now those same people are saying, crucify him. I wonder if Jesus was carrying the whole issue of, I got to keep my heart guarded. I got to keep myself safe because I'm going to be tempted to write these folks off. You see, as believers filled with the Spirit of God, we need to have so much self-control and so much power from the Holy Spirit living in us that we need to take spiritual inventory of our own emotions, knowing that we're going to walk through something. Listen to me. You're going to walk through something, and you need to be prepared for it. It really hurts when you're blindsided. Come on. Is this making sense? I wonder if Jesus was carrying some of that weight. Lord, Lord, I don't want to. I wonder if his heart was, I don't want to be mad at these folks. I don't want to be angry with them. I don't want to be offended by them. Isn't that good? When's the last time you went to the Christmas season praying for God to guard your heart and your own emotions? When was the last time you asked God to protect your heart so you wouldn't get offended by anybody? Lord, cover my heart. I don't want to be an offended person. I don't want to become a bitter person. I don't want to give the enemy that open door into my life. Choose to pray. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Betrayed by mankind. And by his most intimate friends. Don't ever forget that your closest relationships will hurt you the worst. Don't ever forget that. The closer they are, the more it hurts. How did Jesus respond? What did he do? Luke 23, 34 says this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they are doing. Now think about this. How can he pray that after what he just walked through hanging on a cross? 
Would you agree that there was something in his perspective that changed? Would you agree that he was not offended? Would you agree that he was not hurt? Would you agree that he was, he chose not to be angry and bitter at those folks that were screaming at him? He's hanging on the cross for them, the ones that are threw him up there, and he's saying, Lord, please forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. You can't say that unless your perspective has been changed. Right? Come on, I'm trying to help you out. You need to go to your Christmas get-togethers with the understanding that God helped them because they don't know what they're doing. God, guard my heart. I don't want to be offended anymore. I don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't want to be this anymore. I'm tired of carrying around all this baggage. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Wow. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says this, but to you who are willing to listen. So in other words, if you want to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Let me give it to you again. Do good, bless, and pray. Let me tell you what it didn't say. Murmur about them, gossip about them, speak death over them. Treat them bad. When you see them, put a big fake smile on your face and act like you like them. But in the inside, you're like wanting to strangle them. He didn't say act like that. What did he say? Be good to them. Bless them. And pray for them. Why should I pray? Why should I pray for them? They're the ones that hurt me. You ever felt that way? They're the ones that need to be praying. They need to take inventory of their own life. Why should I pray? Watch this. Your prayers might not change them, but I guarantee your prayers will change you. Jesus is getting ready to walk into the greatest offense known to humankind. He's getting ready to walk into that. And what does he do? He goes to the garden and says, Lord, is there another way to do this? <laughs> but basically, if you want to do it this way, I'll go with you. But uh, is there another way to do this? Jesus knew he had to prepare his heart to walk through what he was getting ready to walk through. Right? We need to pray over the situation just like Jesus' perspective was changed over the people who were crucifying him. We need to pray so that God will change our perspective over the people who hurt us. Come on, you ever heard the statement that hurt people hurt people? (laughs) Healed people don't necessarily hurt people. They help provide healing to people. It's people who are hurt. If you've been hurt by somebody, chances are they've been hurt too. Why don't you bless them and pray for them? Because evidently they've been hurt too. My issue with my daddy was not just my daddy's fault. My issue was my dad with my dad was that my dad had an issue with his dad. He was hurt and he turned around and hurt me. If I let God change my perspective, I can look at my dad's situation and instead of having anger towards him, I can have compassion for him. I can see him like God sees him.
But you'll never get that if you don't pray for people. Well, Pastor, what do you want me to pray? That they get the swine flu or something? No. Just start praying for them somehow, some way, somewhere. Just start praying for them. Lord, help so-and-so. I know it's tough to pray for people that you're upset with. But I promise you this, you can't hold a grudge with people you're praying for. You can't hold a grudge with people if you're praying for them. So choose to pray. The second biblical choice we need to make is choose to bless. We need to choose to bless people. I know it's tough. You said, Pastor, you want me to pray. Now you want me to bless them? Romans 12, 19 and 21. This is, by the way, from the Passion Translation. Pretty cool translation. I would encourage you to read it sometimes. Listen to the way it says this. You've heard this before, but it says this. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. (laughs) Don't you just like that? And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. You know what that tells me? If your enemy needs something, provide it. But I don't want to. Win him over with kindness for your surprising generosity. Watch this. Will awaken his conscience. And God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Repaying evil for evil doesn't overcome it. It overwhelms it. Right? Jesus says the best way to fight evil is with good. When somebody hurts you, bless them back. Oh, I won't bless them back, all right. Don't worry, Pastor. I'm going to bless the mess out of them. We used to clown around and say, I'm going to lay hands on you repeatedly. And then we might pray. Bless them. God's way to deal with your enemies is not to return evil for evil, but to return goodness for evil. Because he does something when we do that. You see, when you return evil for evil, you eliminate God from the equation. Now you've created a bigger problem. Because all of a sudden his chosen folk ain't acting right. (laughs) When you return evil with good, God steps in. You open a door for a person's conscience to be awakened. God steps in and deals with that. And then good things come from that. Make sense? Just trying to help. The world says to hurt them. God says to help them. Maybe it's an encouraging letter. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's lunch. Maybe it's something. I I got blessed this past week. Uh, Pastor Zach and I went to lunch, and um, we went to Sabons in Mermintal. If you ever get a chance to go to Sabons in Mermintal, which you'd be a long ways away from here, um, 
They got some good groceries. I'm an expert. We went to say bones, and so we walk in, and there's this girl behind the, the register, and we, I don't know her. And she looks at us, she goes, I ought to be getting y'all's autograph, because we made a silly video. I'm like, autograph for what? I'm kind of slow. And she said, because of the video. I said, oh, <laughs> we don't need no autographs. So we ordered, and she, she pulls out this card. It didn't look like this one. This is the Christmas edition of a serve card or a bless card. But she pulled out this card after she took our order, and she put it on the table. And she says, I got this. Enjoy your lunch. Now, we preach that all the time, and we do that. But, but man, when you get on the other side of that, I was kind of like, them shrimp tasted better. Come on, somebody. Free shrimp tastes better than bought shrimp. Any day. They can burn the shrimp. Still tastes good because they're free. <laughs> but she blessed us. And, and so I, I, evidently she went to the Jennings campus. So we, we were messing with Pastor Josh and said, hey, man, we got a free meal off of one of your sheep today. Just clowning around. And he goes, yeah, that's her reputation. And I went, what a good reputation to have. I think they say every week or every day she buys somebody's lunch. And hands them a card that says, God loves you. I got some cards for you today. What if we just started doing something out of the ordinary? Instead of showing up for Christmas and hoping to survive, what if we go in with a game plan? I'm going to bless. I'm going to love. I'm going to start by praying before I get there. You see, there's meetings sometimes that I go into, and I know they're going to be tense, troublesome, plenty of room for the devil to to get involved kind of meetings. I pray before I get there. Lord, I ask you to be there before I get there. Lord, I ask you to touch everybody's heart. Lord, I pray that we all act like some grown-ups. Lord, I pray. You see what I'm saying? If you don't pray for that, then you don't get to receive that. I would argue and say it's better to pray before than to pray after. Praying before is preparing. Praying after is is recovering from damage. Right? And then the third choice we all need to make is to choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. You've heard some of these scriptures recently. I just did a message on forgiveness. But it says this in Matthew 6, 14. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Get you some of that. If you forgive, God forgives. If you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive. Ruh-roh. That means that when I choose not to forgive somebody, I'm holding myself hostage. When I choose to not release somebody from the offense that they've done to me, I lock myself in a cell that I can't receive forgiveness from God. Are you seeing this? I hold on to unforgiveness. God stops forgiving. (laughs) I give forgiveness. God gives forgiveness. I would dare say that's a big deal to God. (laughs) I would dare say that it's a pretty serious issue, the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an elective course in Christianity. It's a required subject. 
Forgiveness is required of a Christian. Say that with me this morning. Say forgiveness is required of a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew 18, when he was talking to Peter, how many times should I forgive? Jesus said 490 times, bro. I think he was thinking if you get to 490, it'd be a miracle. So how do we forgive someone? Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. I love this verse because it speaks to our preparation. It speaks to us preparing our hearts to be in a situation. The ones we know we're going to go into and even the ones we don't know we're going to go into. Make an allowance. You got to pray for people to make an allowance. And I'm going to tell you, the closer they are, the more allowance they need. (laughs) Your wife needs more allowance than anybody else. Come on, so does your husband. He needs more allowance than anybody else. In other words, if you give people this much allowance, you need to give your spouse double. (laughs) Right? Why? Because they're closer to you. They will offend you quicker, easier, and hurt you more. Make allowance for each other's faults because people are probably making allowance for you. I know they are for me. And forgive anyone, he clarifies that, anyone is anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. How do we forgive someone? By remembering how we were forgiven. You want me to tell you what God doesn't do to me? God does not stand over me with my record sheet, my rap sheet, and go, hey, knucklehead, you know you like to lie, get right. You know you got a lust issue, boy, you've been lusting since you was 13 years old, wake up. You know you got an anger problem. Come on, angry boy, get up. God's never done that to me. You know what he calls me? Son. You know what else he calls me? Jamie. Because he knows my name. He never stands over me and throws my past in my face. I got a full-time enemy to do that. And we should never be working for the enemy to throw people's past in their face. (laughs) You need to quit that job. It don't pay. (laughs) Well, it pays, but it ain't no good. How do we forgive others just like we've been forgiven? Yeah, but pastor, I'm not God. No, but you got Jesus living on the inside of you. You got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And I guarantee you, he will help you forgive like you've been forgiven. How do, I, how, how do I be a good parent? Father your kids like Jesus has fathered you, like God's fathered you. Do what he's done to you. That's how I figured it out. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to be a daddy. Just do what I do to you, son. Really? Yep. How do I forgive my dad? Just like I forgave you. Let him go. Make sense? You got to make allowance for people and you got to forgive them. Otherwise, you're the prisoner. 
I've never seen anybody going around boudin because somebody didn't forgive them. I think I said that right. It sounded good here. It just didn't come out. I don't know. You follow what I'm saying? I see people hurt, damaged, and not living the full potential and abundant life that God wants for them because they're bound up themselves with unforgiveness. I see a whole lot of that. I don't see a whole lot of people walking around that somebody had something against them and didn't never forgave them. I don't see a whole lot of that. I see a lot of people bound up with unforgiveness. Imprisoned by it. Because you can't be forgiven if you don't forgive. And by the way, you'll never have to forgive anybody more than God's had to forgive you. Because I know me. And I think God, he tore up my rap sheet. Because it'd take a semi to haul it around. Joseph responds to his brothers when he sees them face to face like this. He was betrayed by the closest people. Can you be betrayed and not hold bitterness? He was accused but couldn't defend himself. He couldn't tweet. He couldn't post. He couldn't open his mouth. Can you let God defend you? But pastor, that ain't no fun. Oh, yeah, it is. Can you let God defend you? If you feel like you've been forgotten about, can you continue to wait? Listen to how Joseph tells his brothers the story. He says, but don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after they began talking freely with him, how does he tell the story? He lets them off the hook. He lets them off the hook. His perspective was changed. You see, when you realize that the person that hurt you was, was in past times hurt themselves, you start to, and you start to pray for them, God starts to move in your heart and your perspective changes and you no longer see them as an offender, but you see them as a victim. You see them as somebody who's been, who's been done wrong to also. It's making sense. He lets them off the hook. What was the truth? They sold him into slavery. What was his revelation? God put me here. 
boy, that's tough, isn't it? Come on, isn't it tough? I mean, you're thinking, man, how am I going to let somebody off the hook like that? It's not fair if I don't get to fight back. Right? I'm going to tell you, when we get like that, when we can forgive people like that, that's when we look the most like Jesus. You never look more like Jesus than when you forgive people like that. And even beyond that, when you have an opportunity to bring up their past against him, you choose to leave it where it stays. You never look more like Jesus. How many of you would agree, I need to change the Christmas season? I need to do my part. I got my part I can do. I need to do my part and change it. I need to bless those that I have an issue with or may have an issue with me. I need to pray over the whole situation. I need to pray even for those that are fighting with each other. Because the reality is, is that still affects everybody. Right? I want to, my heart's desire is to have a Christmas celebration where there's nothing between any of us and we can enjoy telling Jesus happy birthday. We can celebrate the season. We can celebrate the Savior without any baggage. You know, you can eat more if you're not holding on to baggage. <laughs> you can nap better if you're not holding on to baggage. Life's better if you're not holding on to baggage. You know, credit card companies, there's certain people credit card companies hate. It's, just, it's those people that pay off their bill every month. Because they don't make any money on those people. They like all of all the people who hold on to their debt and get compound interest. Then they're banking. They go, oh, they'll probably send you a Christmas present. But the guy or girl who pays off their credit card debt doesn't get a Christmas present. We should be like the credit card companies. We should zero out our accounts with each other. We should always stay in this, this position of, is there everything, anything between us? Are we okay? Is everything good? If I've offended you, I can go, hey, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Let's, let's make sure we got a zero balance in this relationship. Are you with me? Come on. That's, that's the work we got to do. We got to take inventory. Are we okay? Have I offended you? Or if you've offended me, hey, listen, you said this the other day. I know you love me and you probably didn't mean it, but I just want to clear it up. You said this. This is what it sounded like to me. It kind of hurt. Can you help clear that up? Why would I do that? Because I care about you. I love you and I don't want anything to come between us. So I'm going to be a grown folk. And we're going to deal with it as quickly as possible. Not giving the devil more time.